This is Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I am your host, Mark. And welcome to one of the friendliest episodes ever. Jonathan Coleman of Muscle Tough joins me for a great discussion about his unique career. He's really the only artist in his family, but what a supportive family. Jonathan's gateway into music was Weird Al. He got into music more as a rapper and breakdancer than musician at first. That is until he heard his first electric bass. Then it was love at first listen. Jonathan studied jazz performance at Duquesne, and on the day he graduated, he left the ceremony in Pittsburgh for a gig in Philly. That led him to crisscrossing the country and living the rock and roll life. At one point, just as things were really picking up, Jonathan decided it was too much and he needed a break. He went home, moved in with his parents, and became lunch lady man John. But the rest was exactly what he needed. He got into teaching music, which he still does, playing sessions, and meeting Ross and Joe, his bandmates in the improvisational jam trio, Muscle Tough. Jonathan talks to me about being a pedal nerd, a bouillabaisse of influence and theft, and the concept of the key centerless jam. And why is he signing inflatable pizza rafts? To follow Jonathan at Friendship Wizard on Instagram, follow the band at Muscle Tough Band, check them out on Bandcamp, and follow us at Performance ANX on social media. We accept coffee donations at ko-fi.com slash performance anxiety. You can buy merch at performanceanx.threadless.com. And please enjoy some improv with Jonathan Coleman of Muscle Tough on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Yeah. I'm, I'm not even going to get into any of that. I'm just going to say who I am, what I'm up to, and uh, yeah. And it's Performance Anxiety Podcast. Okay, great. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Jonathan Coleman, bass player from the band Muscle Tough, and I'm thrilled to be on the Performance Anxiety Podcast, talking about all the stuff that keeps us up at night and wakes us up in the morning and makes us excited to go out there and do our absolute best. I'm a one-take kind of guy. One-take kind of guy. <laughs> Hey, I'm upside down. Yes. Um, what sort of <laughs> device are you on there? My iPhone. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Let me, we gotta uh, flip. We gotta... Let me see if this will. Yes, there we it go. works. It works. Oh, man. Technology nice. and manual labor combined in a beautiful symphony. I know, right? <laughs> and then I'm going to, I think, uh, great. Yeah, I uh, I teach a lot. So um, over the, it was a, a pandemic skill I got together having this little <laughs> environment work out for us both i understand it it helped it it's, it's odd to say the pandemic really helped my podcast <laughs> so. i bet it did you probably had a lot of willing participants oh yeah so many people were like yes i can yeah let's talk about something please and then everybody you had to do it through zoom anyway no matter if they were across the street so didn't matter yeah. So, yeah. so uh, although I'll be honest with you, my, my Zoom skills are still pretty minimal. I know how to get on there and I, I can patch it through my soundboard and I can record it. It's, That's a good enough for jazz, as they yeah. say. <laughs> I don't, and I don't use any of those filters, so I'm not going to be, become a cat. and I won't become a clown. Well, I could, but uh, <laughs> it won't have anything to do with the filter. <laughs> Oh man! Well, thank you for uh, for joining me, man. This is this should be a lot of fun. Yeah, man. I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm Ben is a great guy, and yeah. uh, 
Uh, I'm happy to be friends with him, and we've always been able to be quick to deep and real. And uh, when he recommended this, I, uh, you know, I had to assume that it would be a good place for me to be. So I'm happy to be here. Well, I appreciate it, and I'm thrilled to have anybody he recommends come on. So he's, it's uh, anybody who's a friend of his is a friend of mine, and welcome to come on the show. So it's it's been awesome. What I like to find out is basically how you got to where you are currently and we start off in the very beginning in the womb if you will yeah and and from what i've un- understood what i've read and researched there really wasn't a whole lot of music in your house going to be you, your parents aren't musicians there's really nobody in your family who else who's a musician no uh i'm the first one that like kind of hitched their sail to music and nice. apparently apparently my grandfather Eugene my mom's side uh he had the ability to sit at a piano and start to pick out a tune oh so if there was any sort of genetic passing of the torch uh it, it would have come there but really on either side uh you know there's a lot of people involved in a lot of things but I'm the only one that is kind of uh, both feet in the arts so did they ever encourage you or want you to take music lessons when you're a kid you know what they didn't um basketball was like the kind of extracurricular group thing that i became involved in okay and and typical like suburban um dude i got into like skateboarding so I was yep. balling in a more kind of uh, organi- organized way. Uh, and then I had the skating with my friends and we had VHS tapes. You know, this is all pre-YouTube. This is in the 90s. So we're like popping in our skating VHSs and seeing moves and locations and getting ideas. <laughs> skating VHSs, and, that is awesome. And then we'd go out and like, you know, wax up the curb in the neighborhood and try to do some grinds and and all these things. and. Uh, and music was always a soundtrack there too. And I, I always had a penchant for like the heavier stuff of the time. Okay. And I always really enjoyed hip hop. Oh, okay. And before I was ever like playing a bass or guitar or anything, I wanted to be a break dancer and I wanted to be an MC, like a rapper. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Were you doing that uh, with your with your friends, or was that something that was in the, you know, you stayed in the closet for a little while? <laughs> it wasn't so secret. I, I thought I was pretty good. So um, I love I love kind of marking everything by like what iteration or level of development the internet was at the time. Oh, so it was like it was like AOL. There were there was chat rooms, but it wasn't AIM yet. And I would go on and I would look up breakdancing moves, right? And there wasn't videos. It was just like step-by-step tutorials. This oh, is how you wow. do a wind this is how you do a windmill or nothing to teach you breakdancing, like still pictures. Yeah, it was the best, right? Yeah. Just a couple like <laughs> framed images of a guy doing a thing. And I'd make my parents save their Home Depot boxes and I would be using the cardboard so I could get the spin. Right. And I was I was like writing raps down, like listening to like whatever hip hop I liked, which was like really the bridge was really easy to follow. It was like Weird Al Yankovic's uh, Amish Paradise. That's... Led me to Coolio's Gangster's Paradise, Dangerous Mind soundtrack, Michelle Pfeiffer. Right, oh yeah. That, that led me to like LL Cool J, which eventually led me to like Wu-Tang Clan. And then it was just like the doors were open and rap rap was, ha- was happening with like corn and Limp Biscuit, And I was just, and Eminem happened and I was like, oh, I'm going to rap. 
This is easy. Of right. Course. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> and breakdance. So like that was it for me. Like I'm I'm all right at basketball. I'm horrible at skateboarding. And I'm obsessed with rapping and breakdancing. Seventh, eighth grade going into high school. That's me. No bass guitar yet. So you got that all that rapping and, and breakdancing also must have come from your grandfather because no one else is, was doing that kind of stuff in your family, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think he might, you know, I'm sure he'd have a laugh about it now, but, uh, you know, I'm sure his wife would be rolling in her grave um, yes. thinking about him doing any of that. But uh, so anyway, like through that all, uh, I was about to go to high school and... God bless my parents for dealing with me still. They got a letter. They were like, oh, the high school musical. I'm not in high school yet. I'm like eighth grade transitioning. Like the musical is going to be the Wizard of Oz. Perhaps you should audition and you could be the Tin Man. Wait, wait, so did they do this because they knew you were rapping and into music? Well, they knew because I danced and I did the robot a lot. You know, oh. like I would, I, I'm the kind of, I would get in the circle. I would do the robot, do the little arm thing, do the worm, you know, do a couple moves, get a couple, you know, the exclamation of the crowd and the dopamine hit. And I'm, I'm off, you know, like this is, this rules. Let's do this forever. Oh yeah. I'm still chasing that dragon one yeah. shape or form. <laughs> and so my dad was like, you should audition for the Tin Man. Right. So I'm like, wow. all right, cool. I go to, he's like, maybe you'll meet some girls. Oh, cool. You know? And so I go, I show them I can move and they're like, oh, this kid can move. He's going to be the scarecrow and you don't sing. Oh, that's no problem. We're going to put you in choir. So it's like, I'm not even a freshman in high school yet. Wow. And I'm the lead in the musical and I'm in choir. And I was like, ready. I was ready to die. Oh like, my not, not of happiness. Right. I was like, oh, this is <laughs> not, I didn't meet any girls, dad. <laughs> and now all the seniors hate me. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Before you skip over this ad, give me one minute. Like most podcasts, I pick sponsors carefully and I use the products that advertise here. Pure Spectrum CBD is a product that has been really beneficial for me. 
They have a wide variety of great products that can be used on a daily or as-needed basis. I've been using the tincture every day, and it's been wonderful for easing anxiety. And I absolutely love the isolate. I use it instead of acetaminophen or ibuprofen, and it's worked so well for the relief of aches and pains. They also have soaks, lotions, salves, gummies, and more, plus an entire line for fitness recovery. They even have products for your pets. See everything they offer at PureSpectrumCBD.com. And if you have questions, they're there to help. They helped me when I had no idea where to start. After you fill your cart, use code PERFORMANCEANX for 15% off your purchase. Pure Spectrum CBD, Pure Spectrum CBD, Pure Spectrum CBD. They hated me! Oh my God, they hated me. They really did, man. I mean, you know, we, we turned our corners. Thank God, but there was a little bit of certain beef going on, and uh, I respect them for it a lot. You know, I get it. Oh yeah, but on they my paid their way dues, to man. choir, it was literally the first day on the way to choir. I heard an electric bass coming through an amp, oh. and it was just like, Whoa, like that's it. That's the sound I've been loving in the hip hop and the rap rock and all the rock stuff. Whatever, I ran to it, and the dude. I know him today. His name's Perry Junavisi. I was like, dude, like, like, oh, foaming at the mouth. Like, show me something, right? And he shows me how to play, shows me how to play Brain Stew by Green Day. And I came home and I was like, mom and dad, I, I want to be a bassist. And they were like, huh? What's that? Yeah. <laughs> I think we had one of those in our wedding band, you know? <laughs> Oh, and they have and they have supported me ever since. And that was 20, 23 years ago now at this point. Wow. So, so that's kind of like the beginning of it, getting me into actually doing it. And I really felt like I was playing catch up for a while because I, I was into it and I spent a lot of time on it. But I, one of my teachers would always tell me that I have a building that is like, you know, it's a skyscraper. There's a lot I have going on, but I don't have a lot of the foundation built yet. So it's like, we can't really, you're not really open for business. You have to right. like build your foundations. And it was a struggle for me to like get some of the more mathematical and uh, I don't want to say numerical, but alphabetical aspects of reading music and understanding it all together, okay. especially because it's like, now I'm like going to be in band and there's all these kids that have been reading music since they were six and yeah. very intimidating. Very oh, intimidating. for sure. That had to be a daunting task just getting into high school. You First of all, you've got just generally going into high school. Then you've got the seniors yeah. who hate you. Now you've got to learn music with all these band geeks. And I can say that because all my kid, my three kids are band geeks. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're the, they're been, the best, you know, God oh, bless yeah. all the band. But they've all been playing music since like elementary or middle school. So you mean it's uh it's an uphill battle. It seems like. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you really took to it because after high school, you, you actually went to college for bass. Yeah. Yeah. So like pretty quickly after I was playing, I was like, okay, this is now my identity, right? Like I still rapped, but I was just, there's more like a party trick than more of a <laughs> career path. <at> that point. <laughs> you know? And, and I should also say that like I battle rapped and I battle danced kids at different schools and stuff wow. all the time. Like, 
I took it very seriously. That's and and, and music, music is so much more friendly than any of that. So I quickly was like making friends, like finding out what kids played what. And, you know, it's like not everyone plays. So it's like you hear legends of this guitar player at this high school is the best one. He knows all the Metallica songs. Yes. And then there's this drummer at this school and he's in marching band. He knows all the rudiments. He's the best. And it's like I found those guys and started a band ASAP. Oh, wow. And I was just like, this is it for me. This is just college. No way. You know? So my folks were very much like, all right, like we see what's going on here. Like you can go to school for music, but you're going to go to school one way or another. And so, yeah, I did go to school for music. I went to Duquesne university in Pittsburgh. Very nice. I was just in yeah, Pittsburgh was... last, well, last summer. That's the fir oh, first cool. and only time I've ever been to Pittsburgh. Oh, uh, what were you doing? I went to go photograph a concert. It was, um, Zola Jesus opening, uh, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club was the middle act, and The Colt was the headliner. Nice. It was a killer show. Heavy night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I do a lot of uh, music photography in D.C. for a D.C. blog, and when people I've had on the podcast come into the area, a lot of times I'll go and see them perform and, and uh, get a photo pass and shoot shots. and. I'm friends with a couple of two of the people in Black Rebel Motorcycle Club and the basis for the cult. And they're like, yeah, come on out and shoot some stuff. You know, we, you just wander around the crowd and just shoot the shows. And I, was like, I couldn't do it in DC. They were coming to DC like, the next day, but I was actually going to the beach the next day. So it's like, uh -huh. I'll just come to the, to the one before. Where is that? At Pittsburgh. Okay, I'm there. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, it's not that far. You know? No, I mean, I mean, I'm in Winchester, Virginia, so it's uh, you know, it's like three hours or so. Wasn't that bad? Yeah, it's not bad at all. It was worth it for that show too. It was just an incredible evening. So and it's so cool. It's cool to go see music in like a city you're not from, at a venue you're not familiar with. Exactly. Like the magic is heightened. I actually really liked Pittsburgh. I will be f completely honest. I dislike just about every Pennsylvania sports team. <laughs> I have no allegiances, so this is a safe place. Okay, good. I grew up in New Jersey, but moved down to Alabama. So my college team is Alabama. My uh, sports teams are all, my professional teams are all over the place. DC, even baseball. I don't really watch any NFL anymore, but I grew up as a Cowboys fan. So I hated the Eagles and the Redskins. So I hated all of them. So... Yeah. Turns out Pittsburgh's really nice. Yeah, it's like, oh man, there's like, there's other stuff here. Yeah, <laughs> they're more than just the freaking pirates and the yeah. Steelers. I, I, lo I loved Pittsburgh. I mean, I should say I'm not as familiar with it, so my relationship has changed because I've been more Philly-based, but yeah, I used to kind of view them almost as like different states. You know, I'd be like, oh, I'm going back to Pennsylvania, I'm going back to <laughs> Philadelphia, you know, it's like... They I were such these that. divides and, um, you know, my college experience and my post-college experience initially were all based in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So it was like, I didn't have the Philly ties that I later developed. I didn't like go to college and cut my teeth with guys in Philly and kind of branch out into professionalism with them. It was like stuff I found once I had moved home, like doing what I was doing. So did you play live a lot in clubs and all in Philly or in, in, uh, in Pittsburgh? Well, so in, in Pittsburgh, I like, I came to college with the high school band. They didn't follow me to college, but <laughs> I was like, I was in the band, you know, like I help, I would have them come up. Like, okay. I didn't even know about like playing a show. Like I was a freshman in college. It's a bit of like a shit show that year. Oh, yeah. Always. 
So I like was still very like one foot in my my past, so to speak, and I, I was trying to keep it alive as much as I could. I don't really, I didn't really know about being present yet. I was still this this tumultuous youth who was like in the future and in the past and in the present all at once all the time. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. all have been. I heard something about Pittsburgh, and, I, and so I was kind of I wanted to ask you, but I don't know if if you're if, if you're familiar with this. I heard from, and I don't remember who told me that a lot of smaller bands the big names will play Pittsburgh but a lot of the the, the second tier and and lesser known bands kind of skip it because there is some kind of tax like like some kind of live music or entertainment tax that they would have to pay when they when they wouldn't played and I was I heard that and I was always fascinated by that and I've never bothered to actually look it up so I was just curious if you'd heard I about haven't that. either and I haven't run into it and uh we're actually going back that my band's called muscle tough. Um, anybody tuning in, I have a band called muscle tough. We are, uh, we'll get to our origins, I'm sure, but it's a bizarro party, funk, comic book, jazz, instrumental, weird fusion trio. And, uh, we're playing in Pittsburgh on May 4th at a place called spirit Pittsburgh and never been there. Wasn't there when I was there. There was a great theater there called the Rex theater run by a great dude named Ben Panagar. And, they unfortunately we lost them to the pandemic oh. but they were like the last vestige of like keeping the pittsburgh jam scene alive because muscle tough is very much like straddling the the jazz fusion world which like the sit down audiences were a little too much for them and like the the, the jam band world with the people twirling in the woods on drugs at two in the morning <laughs> like we do really well there right oh, so, I bet. <laughs> um there, there's less of that in Pittsburgh. So hopefully this room and, and the other bands we're playing with will we'll find a new face to it now in 2023. Because I think the last time we were there was probably like 2021 or maybe even 2019. So oh, I wow. forget. So it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute for so, sure. So maybe the, maybe they got wise and if they did ever have that taxi, maybe they, they got rid of it. Yeah. It was yeah. just something and also weird somebody told me once and always I'm stuck not familiar with it. The other thing now that we're talking about, it's like, it's like, I haven't like all of a sudden like seen that there's some like band of like post-college guys or something like coming up with a jam band in Pittsburgh. I feel like they're missing something in that realm right now. So, and it's they a shame be. because I feel like when I was in school, there was like a ton of jam bands and a ton of improvisational, uh, improvisational, original music going on. There's still some people there. So, uh, there's hope. There's always hope. Yeah, I agree. So let's let's talk about Duquesne for a little bit. How how did you find the experience going to college to study? Uh, it was was it jazz performance? Yes, it was okay. jazz performance, which was such a great experience that I didn't totally squander, but I was close. <laughs> um, I know I, that you know. <clears throat> If I could go back and convince myself uh, of some of the parameters of it, I probably would have done music tech because oh. I did practice a lot. Oh my God, I did. And I had incredible professors and incredible classes that developed my ear and my concepts and my approach to harmony and hearing things and, and understanding the jazz language and forms and just wonderful performance opportunities and, and great one-on-one -on -one tutelage. But I wasn't getting that on the recording myself, understanding frequencies, understanding mixing, um, that kind of stuff. I, I had to flirt with it in other classes, but a lot of my homies were like, they were in on that. They were doing music tech and they were still practicing as much as I was. Oh, okay. So it's like, I, it's like 
that ended up being a quotient I started to fulfill for myself after college where I was like, I really want to know how to make like a demo of one of my song ideas. Hey, that's good to know. Yeah. And so like I advise anyone listening to this that's thinking about going to college for music to if you don't just do performance because you're going to likely perform, you're going to definitely have to practice anyway. But at least this way, you'll have a whole nother skill set that, you know, I'm glad that I got it together before um, 2020 because I relied on all that self-recording stuff to do teaching virtually and, and making all sorts of video content. And, and it all really came in handy. So. So let's see. So you're in Duquesne and you start playing with, I think was 28 North at that time. Yeah. So 20, yeah. 28 North. They, I met Michael Linder, incredibly inspiring songwriter, guitar player. And he was inspired when I met him. He was like, I know what I'm doing. He was another guy that knew just what he was doing. And it was going to be being in a band. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I really relate to this guy, you know? And he was a year older than me and like had been around and he was like ready to get out of there. He was like, I'm ready to get out of here and do this band thing. It's like, oh, cool. Like, I'm like, I'm like a little guy and I'm like, I'm really trying to fit into the mold here. And I was, <laughs> and they bounced him and the other guys in the band and they started the band and we were kind of like, whoa. Well, crazy. Like they're nuts, you know, like, we just wow. Like, we, we couldn't, I'm like, my parents are like really helping me be in college right now financially. And like, I'm actually enjoying some of the aspects of school. You know, I yeah. didn't have my people to be in a band with just yet per se. So I found my people and I started my bands and my, my network started to grow. But eventually we were all like, we, I forget the name of the bar. Oh, I wish I knew what it was called. <laughs> not Jurgles, it's not Moon Dogs. We went to we went to see Twenty Eight North one night okay. after they had been like maybe out of school like an entire semester, <laughs> living to living together. They were vets, rehearsing every day, playing gigs, and we saw them and they blew our freaking socks off. I mean, we couldn't believe how good these guys were. They were crushing the tunes, they were crushing the harmonies, the solos were epic. They were just really together. It was like really impressive, you know. Nice. It made every band I was in kind of like step up our shit a little bit and those guys never stopped being in touch with me. And somewhere along the line, I was like, I was convinced. I was like, all right, I'm going to start learning the songs. I'm going to come to a rehearsal. It was like my junior year of college or into my senior year. And at that point, like we were so into it and, and starting to travel around a lot more. It got to the point, like the day I graduated, right. Capping gown. I didn't even go say goodbye to my professors. Oh no. Much to much to my mother's chagrin. My father kind of understood it. But I immediately got in a van with the guys and drove to Philly to play a club here called the Theater of Living Arts. Oh, I love and the we Theater had of some, Living Arts. We had some like second of like 20 band bill at the TLA. <laughs> and like, you know, like everybody from home that I knew and loved, like my sister and all our friends and stuff, they all came out to the gig. And like that was my graduation ceremony. Oh, now, in God. hindsight, oh, man, I'm such a dick. I had these incredible <laughs> teachers who really put up with me. I wish I had gotten to go communicate with them a little bit and thank them, but I wouldn't have known how to at the time. So yeah. I went and I rocked and, and I continued to rock for a while and we did our thing. We, we all lived together and drove kids to school. Oh, we all, okay. we all had the same gig, right? So one of the guys in the band, his dad was like in with a bus company. And so we all had a nine passenger van and it's like, it was like a cartoon. Like we wake up, <laughs> 
we go pick up kids. <laughs> we take them to their respective schools. I, I had a wonderful batch of kids to the community day school, this wonderful private Jewish school. And then we'd go home and we'd rehearse all afternoon, you know, hammering out the tunes, go pick up the kids from school, take them home. And then maybe we'd come back and rehearse some more or people had girlfriends. And it was like, you know, that part of the day was harder to keep track of, but right. we were rehearsing every day, living wow. together on top of each other. And then we would tour. And then we could get subs when we needed to. So it's like sometimes we'd have subs, we'd be gone for a week. And then it was like, we're going for two weeks. And it's like, then we're back on our bus route, you know, just totally, <laughs> totally not wanting to be there. And right. these poor, these poor kids, I subjected them to like entire Trey Anastasio band tours and like in like LCD sound system and Daft Punk and you know, nothing that like they would like tell their parents about and get me in trouble, but a lot of like groovy and, and deep stuff that yeah. I don't, you know, these kids are all like probably out of college now at this point, but yeah. I don't keep up with any of them. Eight years I've, had a lot of, I've, had, I've, I've had a lot of scholastic jobs, which we might get into later. <laughs> like, we did that to the point where we started working with a producer in New York and he, his name is Felix McTeague. He's no longer with us, but he's a, a big influence of mine and set me up to really believe in myself in some, some really important ways. Okay. And one of them was, he was like, we're doing a record with him in New York and the drummer and I, he was like, I would love to have you guys like live here even for a month. Every day we'll have people come into the studio and either they're going to have songs written and we'll record them or we'll like bring up a Sugarland song on YouTube and analyze the form and just write something like a Sugarland tune and record it. Oh, wow. And so it was this really big turning point where we were like, all right, we're done driving kids to school. We want to go be session musicians in New York. Oh, and so man. we did, you know, it was, a, it was tough, the growing pain. And so we're there, you know, we're not rehearsing like we used to, we're, we're still doing gigs and making time for it, but it was this first little like pierce of the bubble. Right. Yeah. And then we got this unique situation where Mike and his dad met Jerry Heller, who founded NWA and all those guys, right. yeah. famously portrayed by Paul Giamatti in film and also no longer with us, to manage the band. So we moved to LA and wow. had Jerry as our manager for about two years. Oh and, my God. You know, like, I was close with this guy. I made Costco pizzas in his oven. I changed his light bulbs. I looked after his dogs. He always said he thought I was very athletic, which I will love him for to this day. <laughs> it's all that basketball. And, and so we're out in the strip uh, playing the Roxy. We're playing the Viper Room. We're playing Whiskey A Go-Go and like really doing well. And then it was like, we really started to get unhinged. Oh, uh oh. And the, and the partying like really took a toll on me. And yeah. I had to bail for my health, my mental health and physical health. I was oh, just, wow. I wasn't taking care of myself out there. And, and it was a lot of close quarters for us. We were like living on top of each other more so than when we had the house. And, and I came home and I couldn't do anything, man. I couldn't even water a plant. You know? oh, I was just like, gosh. my whole, my whole life had been like, I'm going to be in a band. And I was in a band and I totally screwed it up. And, and there I was just <laughs> back home. Like my, you know, my folks let me move in with them. And yeah. I, I was this little willowing branch with a nary a leaf to be seen for a while, oh. but I was in Philly <laughs> and I had a clean slate sort of, you know, so. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Looking back on it, it's actually probably 
a mature and, and maybe the best decision you could have made at that point if, if it was getting that bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I definitely had my forms of kicking and screaming about it, too. You know, and it wasn't like I like uh, definitely closed the briefcase and, and gave everyone a handshake. So, um, <laughs> so I was home. I was a little bit wayward and definitely uh, deep in ennui. And um, my mom at the time was a teacher's aide at a vocational technical school. And so she was like, you know, our neighbor Ingrid is the lunch lady there and she needs help. And you're living with us. You're watching HBO movies all day long in your sweatpants. <laughs> it's, time, it's time to put an end to this. Uh, you're going to be working at the school with Ingrid. We have gotten you this job. Wow. And I said, yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And I became a lunch lady. And that's amazing. It was amazing, man. It was the right place for me to be. That is and so awesome. I still have the apron that says lunch lady man. That's what all the kids called me. Lunch lady man, John. <laughs> and I turned into this little underground guidance office because, you know, I have like tattoos, whatever. And these like, it's all like rough high school kids. And I had really long hair and they were just kind of like, who is, I look like straight out of the Simpsons, man. I was Otto. I'd already been Otto the bus driver. Now I was like Otto demoted <laughs> to lunch lady. <laughs> Otto, lunch lady Doris's sidekick. So I'm doing that and I'm starting to play with people and I'm like, all right, this isn't enough. Maybe I'll teach. I never taught before. Oh, wow. And a friend of mine put me on to this company called Green Sleeves run by a fabulous couple, Ben and Lee Green. And I'm still working for them to this day, probably like a decade or so later. Oh, wonderful. And they like gave me a chance. I was like, I'm looking to teach bass. I got all this bass to offer. And they're like, that's cool. But like, you know, kids love guitar and piano and like playing songs. They like, do you do any of that? And I was like, uh, I guess like I could. <laughs> so I, I was like, I got my guitar and piano stuff together. And then I got some wow. fabulous students who were getting better. So then I had to get better at those instruments. And I kept pushing it on and on and on. And wow. you know, one thing, one thing at that time, and I think a lot of younger musicians might benefit from this is like, I was saying yes to everything on bass. And I would learn people's like their six songs set in a night and then show up the next day, like ready to go songs memorized. Oh my God. And I, and I really prided myself on that. And you know, so I, did I stretch myself thin? Sure. Sometimes, but I didn't, I never broke and I, and I kept doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. Wow. And I always kept improvising too, you know, and that was something in 28 North. I like, I always wanted more solos, more bass solos and, and more of this or that <laughs> where I could just wank away. And, uh, I eventually with a college friend of mine, friend Ben Hartenstein, who was living in New York when we did this, but uh, now it's back in Pittsburgh. We started a band called Chan City. And oh, nice. it was very much in the shadow of like Wayne Krantz's music. I don't know if you know Wayne Krantz. He's a New York based guitarist, okay. an improviser. He played with Steely Dan, he played with Billy Cobham, but uh, he kind of founded an improvisational language along with a bass player, Tim LaFay, and a drummer, Keith Carlock, that oh, yeah. my friends and I, my friends and I kind of all refer to it as like the Coltrane Quartet of our generation. Oh, wow. And like going to see them at the 55 bar now defunct in New York was like just a pilgrimage we all would make. And these guys, Ben and his friend were studying with Wayne and, and Keith and 
I was going up to New York to play with them. We were coming up with original music. We were getting gigs here in Philly. And, nice. and I was like, here it is, man. I'm doing the music I've wanted to do this whole time. Like, yes. And it was through doing that, I eventually caught the attention of my friend Ross Belenois, who uh, is the guitarist in Muscle Tough. Right, right. And he, yeah. and he became aware that I was like an improviser. And I heard him play a few notes on guitar at this one recording session. And I was like, oh, my God. Do you like John Schofield, Bill Frisell, and Trey Anastasio? And he was like, <laughs> I do. I was like, oh my God, I just saw Fish like two nights ago. And he was like, oh, dude, how about that like chalk dust torture? And I was like, I love this guy. Yeah. Like, you and I got to do something, man. Did we just become uh, friends? Yeah, it was this beautiful Genesis moment. So that puts us more in like Philly. It's, I guess it's like about almost nine years ago. Okay. About that now, but. So you'd left the lunch lady job at this point? Well, no, I'm oh. still doing it. And, it. and it compounded. I'm still living with my parents. And I'm also a janitor, I'll say custodial apprentice right. in the summers at the same school. Oh my so gosh. I'm, I'm tarring and sealing roofs. I'm stripping and waxing floors. I'm taking hair out of the wheels in the cosmetology room. I'm painting the boiler room. I'm doing every freaking job oh that you could do. And I'm listening to music all day, right? Listening to stuff for gigs. Uh, I would listen to entire fish tours. It's like, it's very meditative music, like just with the modal improv and extended jams. And I would just kind of let it be the soundtrack. And sometimes there'd be a stray podcast or two or whatever, but, and then still doing all that stuff and teaching and the teaching and the gigging got to a point where I was finally able to be like, I'm done here at the school. I'm moving into Philadelphia. And I moved to a recording studio. My friend Alex Antilli operates. It's called Spice House Sound. Okay. And it's in the Fishtown area of Philadelphia. And it's one of the best rooms in town by far. Oh, Just nice. the, the space, the gear, and the people. Spice House is, is absolute top. So I lived there for like five years. And oh, wow. I could roll out of my bed in sweatpants and like fix bass on a record. And, you know, it was like after the bars, we always would have people coming back to the studio, just blasting tunes and these incredible speakers and uh, muscle stuff would rehearse there. And it, it was a, a very gilded age. It was an incredible time living in Spice House, especially in light of like some of the work I had been doing, you know, I like going from. <laughs> <laughs> from the school <laughs> to getting to be like, oh my God, I'm an artist and like yeah. a really cool soon to be kaput uh, and filled with strollers artist area of the city. <laughs> and it was beautiful, man. You know, it was great. When did you start putting together, you and Ross started putting together Muscle Tough, which, and so, I'll so be honest with you, I didn't get the joke until I actually said it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we say it's like when I'm on stage, it's like, when I say get tough, you say muscle tough, get tough, muscle tough. And then it's like, it sounds like the whole room is screaming and exclaiming muscle tough. It's know? great. I love it. I don't know if, if I said it out loud, or I heard it in one of the videos. And I'm like, ah, uh, uh -huh, that's clever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that, you know, God bless Ross. He's such a, a brilliant guy. I think he had that idea before he even had a song or band members, you know, <laughs> it was just like, here's this idea. That's great. We're all, we're all little wordsmiths in our own way, shape or form. So it's almost like a jazz dad joke. You just described muscle tone. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a second. I got to blow, I got to blow my nose. Yes, up. I sir. Little, do what you got to do. Edit this part out.
So Ross famously called two other guys first before he called Joe, the drummer, and I, which we oh. love to tell. That we love that's part of the story because oh, we're friends really? with them, you know. <laughs> and it's like you know they're either like you know they're obviously not salty and they're maybe even relieved that they they didn't end up being available, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Ross wrote a bunch of tunes. His whole idea was like, I want to just have some groove based bizarro stuff where I can let it rip and not really give a shit. And, uh, you know, boy, have we written some complex songs since then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that initial thread and the chance for all of us to bring our pedals and stuff and just wild creativity. We did one gig and it was like, oh my God. No one's doing anything like this. We're definitely not. Let's keep this going. And now we're almost nine years old. So you said he, you know, he wanted to create this band to kind of, in in so many words, let his hair down and, and go nuts. Were you guys doing session work at that time? To what kind of stuff was he doing that this was a option to go nuts? No, I think I, I hear your question. He is a staff producer for a place called Turtle Studios here in Philly. Okay. And so not only was he working on other people's music day and night of various realms of our Americana and commercial music and rock and funk and all kinds of shit, you know, but he had his own career too, just being like a troubadour and a singer songwriter. And he's actually going on tour this week, doing his own little Ross Bellinois tour with, he's got some guys in New York and Philly doing the shows. And then he's got another band in Massachusetts doing the shows. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, he's, he's that kind of guy. He's very prolific. So, um, it was a nice departure from him from working on other people's music or taking his own music too seriously. And, uh, and Joe and I seemed like the right guys for it. And he was right in calling us. It was interesting because all together, um, you have this triangle, right? And there's all these different two-way streams of uh, reference. So for instance, the drummer Joe and I have a lot of uh, lover for the heavier side of music, okay. like metal and realms of metal and aggressive stuff. And then like hip hop grooves. And then between Ross and I, we have a lot of love for the band fish and various <laughs> improvisational guitar players and stuff like that. And then Joe and Ross have all this like kooky eighties pop stuff that they connect on that. I don't know any, like, I don't know about the police. Like, oh, I, have a couple wow. gap, you know? I don't know much about the police, you know, and like they know like the police B sides and that's, that's not a great example, but we all kind of fill in each other's gaps reference wise and, and create this new hodgepodge of influences. Listening to the live stuff, it makes a little bit more sense now what you guys are doing out there because it's it's so varied and there's so many different aspects to it. It, it makes a lot of sense that each duo is into something a little bit different that maybe the third guy isn't maybe proficient in, but is open to, to playing around with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's been a lot of that, you know, just... Uh... Even sometimes a tune will come in and it'll be like, oh, this is really challenging for me, or I don't know how to do the vibe of it, but we've all been able to help each other grow in a really safe and democratic environment. The 
live stuff that I've heard is so much fun. I'm dying to see you guys live. I think that would be a blast. Well, we'll, we'll have to come your way, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you guys Pittsburgh's DC. kind of far, but uh, we are playing DC. Is oh, that what you said? I'll be there. I mean, I'm only a 75 miles out of DC. That's one of the tough things when you're going into town and, you know, I want to get these ace cats on the, to share the bill. And it's like, normally if you're an ace cat in your town, you can't really just like do every gig right? for fear of oversaturating yourself in the market and various reasons. Yeah. You know, we can't do it. So it's like, it's always nice when someone gives you a solid recommendation, but we'll be coming through DC. <laughs> Sorry. So I've got, I've got a, a question about, first of all, your base. You, I think you've got a, a new company that you're working with. Yeah. Serik. Serik bases out of Chicago, built by the fabulous Jake Serik and co. He's got a, a fabulous crew there. I believe one of the other dudes there is named Atticus, which is one of the great names of uh, oh, yeah. naming names of all time. I like to call them like future retroism. Oh. Um, it's <laughs> nice. like, you know, sometimes people will be like, is that a Rickenbacker? Is that a guild? Uh, but it sounds so modern and, you know, it does harken back to some of these like uh, 60s and early 70s instruments. Oh, cool. But uh, I, I play a five string. I don't have it actually in this room right now, but or I'd bring it out for you to see and, and people to imagine <laughs> via description. Think of it. But uh, it's a short scale five string, which is unique. Oh, wow. You know, normally you have like a pretty long scale bass yeah. and... Uh, this is more like what I would describe to you, like a Les Paul style guitar size. Oh, wow. Um, like, you know, like Slash plays Les Pauls or Les, Pl Les Paul plays Les Pauls. Um, <laughs> so it's like, it's Famous. way more compact and the neck is really thin and that sleek. That was coincidental, and, wasn't it? Les Paul. Yes. Playing that. Yeah. Interesting, you so know, why they would do that. It's amazing how that's so serendipitous. It is. It's like if Dick Wolf was starring in... Dick Wolf, uh, <laughs> Law and Order. <laughs> That's a bad one. I, for, I apologize. It was a good try. But, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, the Seric is great. Um, I had a lot of friends that like kind of steered me in that direction and answered a lot of questions for me, and, and more importantly, let me try the instruments because they are boutique, they are expensive, and uh, it wasn't so easy to be. I couldn't just go to Guitar Center and try one out. Good point. So when I got them in my hands, I was like, oh yeah, I want to do this and. It was during the pandemic and I was like, I was working still and, and we were all getting some weird little stipends and I, I, I got it all together and I got one and I've been playing one ever since and kind of uh, letting all my friends know and letting every bass player I can get their hands on the thing so that they can have perspective too. And Jake believes in me and, and I believe in him. So it also, it's one of those things that I didn't ask to be an artist. Now there's plenty of companies that I won't name that I've asked to be an artist and they've <laughs> not responded to my emails, but to get to be asked by someone with such integrity and that um, is making such a quality product and to get to go out there and do it, it it's really an honor. And we're designing another base. I, I should, I say it's designed and on the calendar already. So oh, nice. it's in the works. It's another short scale five string. It's another different design than the one that I currently play, which is called a Midwestern style. And uh, I haven't even asked when it will be done. Cause I don't care. Yeah. It's like, I, I want all the time to just kind of, get my payments in on time and yeah. let things go by and, uh, and not, and not like be thinking about it too much. Cause it's like, it's like a perennial Christmas thing. Like it could happen at, oh, at any time. So that's awesome. You're also a, a pretty big gearhead if I'm reading you correctly. And what Ben was telling me, uh, 
besides Ray Ray Decker cables, what, what's your favorite piece of gear? Wow, this is an awesome question. Well, I do love the Ray Ray Decker cables and Ben's work. And I didn't know that you could feel that way about cables. Yeah. I, I always knew that the company that you needed was Mogami. Everyone's talking about Mogami, Mogami cables. And then it's like Ben's wrapping them in these glorious, colorful fibers and these magical wooden designed ends. And yes. They feel like these little talismans, like like <laughs> I don't want to say Dungeons and Dragons or but like there's something there's something magical about it. it. Like the act of putting it in and staring at the cables and the way the lights hits them really takes things to another step. Now, there's some stuff about gear and frequencies in general that I'm a total caveman about. And a lot of it has been like me just my head hitting a wall, like having a desire to do something and not really being great at it. And then my bandmates, Joe and Ross, or some of the other fabulous people in my community helping me understand how to do, whether okay. that be like, oh, I, I'm underpowering this stuff yes. or wow, or I need to adjust this thing with my frequency or the way I'm actually playing the instrument. And, and sometimes I'm really open to hearing it all. So sometimes, uh, I'm, able to, <laughs> sometimes I'm able to hear them and make an adjustment. And, you know, I would say that I'm a pedal nerd. And at this point, it's like golf clubs or cars. It's like, yeah, it's like, well, you know, I could get triples of this one. Or it's like, you know, it's like, oh, like my Bugatti's nice, but they just put out a new one this year that does this now. And it's yeah. like, it goes you know, two it's miles like, oh, well, faster. You know, my Tesla is nice now, but this new one will charge even longer. It's like all <laughs> that, all of that very much exists. It's like, I don't even need a new base. I want one. But my pedal situation with Muscle Tough is like absolutely fucked. I really? mean, I have like, it's like probably 30 pedals across two pedal boards. Oh my gosh. Um, and then I'm splitting it to two amps, bass and guitar. And now what I do is I'm like playing bass, whatever, whatever. And then I change my octave and I'm coming out from a guitar perspective, two octaves higher out of a guitar amp. Oh, wow. So it, it, it breaks up really authentically. It sounds like a lead. And my bandmate Ross is doing the same thing, but he is going two octaves lower and coming out of a bass amp. Oh my gosh. And he has like one pedal board and is like, you know, he's doing a lot with it all. And right. he does, you know, myself, I just like, I wanted more crayons and more markers and, uh, and boy, do I have a lot, but you know, anyone that might throw a little shade my way, I like to feel that I'm not hiding behind it all. I do use it all on the gig and I'm still very much hanging by the seat of my pants and, and playing my pants off every night with the band too. So I like to say it's just all part of it. And I want to paint with all the colors of the wind. Well, ex exactly. You know, you, honestly, you paid your dues. You went to college, you know how to play the bass. Now make it your own. You know, you, like you said, paint with all these, these colors. Then that's what the pedals are, are for in, in the right hands. Yeah. And I, and I have like so many influences and, you know, some people are like gear influences and some people are approach influences. And all of us are these like, you know, bullia bases of inspiration and, and theft. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and I steal with impunity, you know, and I encourage everyone to, cause you will always sound like you. It's like, no matter yeah. what you do, it's like, you can play the same guitar as whoever and through the same stuff, but you're not going to sound like them because you didn't live their life. Exactly. And I've heard so many people say it, but if you give Jimmy Page a guitar, he's going to sound like Jimmy Page. You know, Yeah. you give, uh, I'll just pull out somebody I'm trying to get on the podcast, Doug Wimbish, your bass. He's going to sound like Doug Wimbish. 
Man, let's okay. get him on the podcast. The I'm Wimbash. Trying. Speaking of pedal influences, he's probably got 40 pedals across too. Yep. All true bypass, no noise. I mean, he's a guy I want to sit down with and ask a few questions. So I hope you can get him <laughs> on the podcast. Hey, if I can get him on, maybe we'll get you both on at the same time. You know, I'll I'll fly in for a minute and be like, hey, Doug, <laughs> what are you doing with the H9? Huh? <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask you some questions about Muscle Tough's music because you guys do so much. One of the things that I found was really fun and also fascinating were the instrumental, and not always instrumental, but the covers that you guys do. For the yeah. most part, they're instrumental, but there is the pizza song by those brilliant songwriters the olsen twins yeah oh you saw that huh i did <laughs> i thought it was amazing a little creepy it was it was sounded a little weird especially thinking that that's the olsen twins song and there's some deep male voice singing yeah it's yeah a little it's different It really shines a spotlight on how wonderful songwriters those two little girls were. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they are, you know, the true um, shining lights of our time when it comes to songwriting and just like general, general performing arts. So we are happy to, to hold any sort of candle to their direction, you know. How did you guys choose to do that? I didn't even remember that song. I mean, I'm man, I don't know how we do. 50, so I don't know that song very well. So. We're all we're all pissing a lot of ideas into the jar. Um, but there is a video that came out of that song, Slowed Down. Oh. Right, so the, the, the real version is like, it's like, give me pizza. A P I Z Z A. A game of pizza. It's like up, right? It's like a '90s buoyant rap song. Yeah. So then we found the version that's like I want pizza. <laughs> and Ross, you know, was like, "Oh my god! Like, what if we did this and I rapped it?" And we we're like, "Yeah! Oh my god! Yeah! Let's. What if we did? Let's do it!" And so he learned all the words. Oh my gosh. And we did it during our set at this wonderful fest in uh, the Pine Barrens called Beard Fest that we've been fortunate to be involved with a lot of times. And I've heard of it. It's really, yeah. great for, really great for us getting in the jam scene, too. And we like bought inflatable pizza rafts and blew them up. <laughs> And so like that song started and we had friends walk out with the pizza rafts and like when the first line drops, you saw the video, oh, like, yeah. throwing the rafts into the crowd. In and, the audience, yeah. You know, Ross has like memorized it and is just nailing it and I'm just dying, cracking up, barely playing the part. <laughs> and we're watching these like really like dangerous looking inflatable pizzas like just dive bombing into the crowd. <laughs> and into the surrounding tents and stuff like that. And I remember like after the set, we were like, oh man, like where do those rafts go? <laughs> <laughs> and, and like the next morning I'm like buying a coffee and this like, it's this man in a, in a skirt um, finds me. He's like, hey, 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 
it reaches into some crumpled bag and like pulls out the wrap. He's like, will you sign this? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's like totally, man. Oh my God. I'd love to. You know? Oh my I saw that video and I think what cracked me up the most besides hearing that slowed down and, and Rossi, it was the shots of the audience. Cause they're all sitting there like, Oh yeah. They're all just, yeah. it's like they remember the song, but I don't know if they yeah. actually well, did or the, not. Well, you know, it was a sort of a meme culture thing, the slowed down thing. So a lot of people were really aware of it. Oh, wow. And the fact that we're not a singing band and we chose that as like, here's the first thing we're going to do with vocal. <laughs> and everyone, you know, it's late. Everyone was very high in the crowd, I'm sure. And so like, it was a very probably like haunting carnivalesque moment for those in attendance you know especially the, especially those who knew or knew us and we're just like what is happening here oh my gosh but the covers have always been huge for us i think the first one we really did was borderline by madonna teeth at this jazz club in town called time and we would play three set nights there which was everything because we had to like really stretch out we didn't have a lot of songs i think our first gig we repeated one song at the end but but then we knew that we needed this much more so the covers started coming in and everyone's picking their favorite songs and we're trying them instrumental and, and we're still up to that you know it's like we have an unreachable level of cover ideas that are floating around and oh that I is awesome the most, the most recent one we've been doing is radiohead's optimistic oh wow i love that and song. we do it we do it kind of like the song it's like really brooding and weird and like it's like us doing that but like more them than us and oh, uh wow it's just cool to have that mode to switch into and then anyone that loves the song and, and likes us has been getting turned on by it too i i would love to hear that oh my gosh man if i can make it to the dc show maybe you should play that yeah okay yeah <laughs> Let me check the guys. guys. <laughs> right now, it's like, hey, guys. Mark uh, says. <laughs> <laughs> to get him to the show, we must play yeah. Optimistic. <laughs> You've got a couple albums out, but it's been a while. And I, I went back. You're and damn I, right it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was listening to, and, and I freaking blank on these things all the time so um that's okay uh magical achievements yes yeah that was like our first full length yes man i like that a lot i loved field trip balls is such a cool song it's kind of sounds like rush jamming on yes oh damn i like that it is rest. Rest. Yes. Oh gosh. <laughs> there we go. For all, for all you yuppie hush puppies out there, we present. Yeah. Yes.
when I say Yush, you say re- res. <laughs> it's not working. Like out. Everyone, everyone's just brain falls out of their oh. ears. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, field trip balls is great, and that's just some more wordplay at hand. And and that one is a song where in the like, improvisational section we call it kind of like the key centerless jam. Oh. So okay. it's like, you know, sometimes you'd be like, oh, you know, like if a guest was up, you'd be like, oh, this is an A minor. Like you can hang on that. Right. It'd be good. It'll just a, maybe it goes to D for a second. But for this, it's just like it's just fucked. Like we're just making the weirdest sounds we can. Uh, Joe is changing the feel and the speed underneath us. And we're just really three sheets to the wind. But we know like how to get back. Okay. And then it's like some people, you know, some people are really there along for the ride. Right. And they're like, they want us to do that all night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it's like, some people are like, Oh, like when you get back like that, that's it. You know, like when you finally are back in the song and, but anyway, that one's still very much in the canon. And we have a few other songs where we get a uh, key centerless or, or a little bit gravity, gravity less harmonically, but that's one of them. When you're playing that, how much is actually total improv? I mean, are you guys, do you guys have, like, like you're saying, you have a spot where you know you're going to come back around to, or is there like a musical safe word where you're like, where something happens and you're like, all right, now we're starting to come back. (laughs) Yeah. There's definitely cues. Like everything there's cues, but it's like, it's like 60, 40, I would say like, but 40% songs. (laughs) And then all the songs have built-in improvisation. Now, some of them are like, we'll call like uh, like a type one where you're like, here's the form of the improvisation section. It's more like a solo section. And then some things are a little bit more open-ended where it's like, we are going to, we're starting out here in D minor and, you know, likely 15 minutes are going to go by and we don't have a plan for exactly how it's going to go. Oh, wow. but we're, we're listening to each other. We're responding to each other. We're vibing off of the room. And then normally if we're having our wherewithal, we'll, it's just this instinctual thing where we know with an eye contact, that's a big part of it too. us making eye contact. It's like, all right, even if it's like, you only get one bar of it from Ross or me and we're nodding. It's like, we know we're going to the minor six chord or something and, <laughs> and it brings us back into the song. And sometimes it's like, we forget what song we're even playing. Oh, wow. There's, there's two couple moments like last summer where we like started like ABBA's Gimme, Gimme, Gimme a Man After Midnight. Oh, nice. And then, then Ross cued out of it into Kylie Minogue's Can't Get You Out of My Head in the same key. So we, we were howling, you know, we were like, oh, we were really far out there. We like came back in on a different cover. Oh, that is amazing. So do you guys keep track of the covers that you play or and do you record all uh, this sir, stuff? I'm, I'm sure we have a couple lists, uh, you know, every now and then we're like, we need to make a list of all the songs. <laughs> <laughs> and that gets buried um, and, yes. and unupdated for four years or something. Nice. Uh, but we don't we don't really keep a list. But yes, we do, and we haven't really recorded any covers per se. We I think we have like a few actual covers. There's one available to listen to on all the platforms with a fabulous vocalist named Remember Jones. Okay. And uh, it's uh, Every Day Is a Winding Road by Cheryl Crow. Ah. Closer. Every day 
sings that and uh, we're doing that. And it's like a little more like reggaeton vibe. But uh, there's also a, a video online of us covering The Weeknd, uh, a song called The Hills. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we do an instrumental cover of that. But a lot of it, we just never got into the intellectual and not that anything's so expensive, you can't cover it. But it, it's yeah. always been a little bit more focused on our own thing. And we are sitting on a slew of stuff we're going to start releasing. Well, do you guys and, record uh, your live shows at all to have any of this stuff? Yeah, we're actually working on uh, mining the stuff for a live album. Oh, nice. So oh, excellent. That is that's great. in the works. It's going to be called Muscle Tough Goes to Hell. <laughs> um, hopefully we get to stick with that um, yeah. but the idea is the idea we did this one gig in Lancaster and it was like you know bars closing and gotta be done and this really loud guy like comes into the front and he'd been like trying to play with the harmonica all night and we're like you can't get up here right. and and he was like if you don't play another song you're gonna go to hell Whoa. <laughs> and like the whole room was like record skip you know and like yeah. I'm like looking at the sound guy who heard it too. And I was like, what do you say sound guy? Like, can we avoid eternal damnation with one more song? <laughs> and so we did. And we were always like, oh, that would be the best live album title. Like muscle tough goes to hell. <laughs> that would be amazing. That so yeah, we do record them. We, we get a lot of soundboards and we record our own like kind of little, at least like a zoom stereo pair thing in front of the stage. And, okay. you know, we capture our own video just to, just to have content to post and listening back to our rehearsals and our shows is one of the ways that we grow the most. Okay. So that was going to be my next question is do you guys kind of do a, like a post game and listen to them afterwards and, yeah. and critique yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like in the van on the way to the next city, we normally are listening back oh, to the wow. previous night and being like, Oh, this tempo is all right. Or like, Oh, you know, like we went a little long here or, Oh, I, I want a little more of this or a little more of that. And we can refine it. And you know, it's great when we do something like four or five nights in a row, because it's like by the fourth and fifth night, I mean like, wow, we're really cooking. We like have really got to reflect and, and talk about it together as a team and really go in there uh, swinging. Well, you also have done some more traditional sounding bass with uh, Ben Arnold and is it Vita and the Wolf or Vita? Oh, you know, uh, yeah, Jen Pegg. Um, she used to work out of Spice House when I was there at Spice and okay. I did some stuff with them. And uh, yeah, but Ben, oh God, I love Ben, Ben Arnold and... <laughs> And Maddie Meir and Eric Sales and, and everybody I've met through those guys. Um, we had a little term, hashtag Benergy. Oh, nice. Benergy. <laughs> and he's just this incredible songwriter and really inspired guy. And, yeah. you know, he took me on and, uh, and I like learned a lot of his material and was just ready to go on it. And it was a really like nice amount of pressure, professional gig for me to be involved with. And it made me take myself a little bit more seriously and it made me better at like playing to the lyric of a song and supporting a song better and uh, just memorizing a large body of work that wasn't like 
jazz tunes or groove funk standards or anything like that. So yeah. really grateful for my time with Ben and I'm on his um, Sunday morning meltdown and uh, kind of live from the backyard albums that are online. And uh, I probably do like one gig a year with him at this point because he's so busy. And oh, wow. Anytime I get to hear from him, I'm always like, oh, crap, I have a gig. Like when you want me to do one. Oh, geez. <laughs> Well, I was I was listening to the Vita and the Wolf EP, the Tunnels. Yeah. Whoa. Her voice is amazing. Incredible. Oh, Sundrop. Like, first, first Sundrop is amazing. I have not heard these. I haven't heard any of this mentioned in a while. Like I forgot I even did that, but I mean, she's insane. Her voice is just this crazy operatic range from lows to highs and the mood of the music and a great drummer, Adam Shumsky, who's very active playing with a lot of people in a lot of different genres. And, you know, I think she might be out West these days. I don't know what Jen's up to. Well, I'm going to have to follow because I just discovered her researching for you and I'm Definitely going to dig a little deeper into her discography because I was just blown away by it. Musically, it's amazing, but her voice is just as amazing. Hell yeah. So, so thank you for introducing me to some new music that I love. And thank you for being a host who's like done research. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I try, man. That's, I love, like, you know, you, you were talking earlier about, Weird Al getting you into Coolio, getting you into the, I, the same way, man. It's, you know, I've, some of my favorite bands I've found, I've found through either saying yes to a PR person saying, hey, would you be interested in having this band on your podcast or having a band on a podcast and then finding out one of the guys was in this other band and that band just blew me away. So it's like this big Ball, like you know those rubber band balls used to make and it would just I do you just keep adding rubber bands it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and that's that's what this podcast is musically for me so it's it's just amazing it's a wonderful analogy so, well thank you so so the last album that you guys muscle tough put out was in 2019 was that that was the um uh modern romance album was that yeah was we, that had, the last we had mo- we had modern romance which was like a couple songs and then in between the songs, we had this cut up tears for voyeurism, tears yeah. of voyeurism, which actually was like a 22 minute studio jam. Oh, wow. That we later released the full thing. And oh. honestly, it's one, of, it's one of my favorite things we've ever done. <laughs> and so ballsy we put it out. <laughs> And it's like we start off in what I'll call the switch where I'm playing 
in the higher register and Ross is playing bass. Okay. And then kind of in the middle of the jam, we switch back and then we switch back again and it ends with me doing the guitars. And it's, you know, wow. I mean, I remember being like emotionally distressed at the time. Like I remember being really distant in my mind during the jam. Really? But listening back, I remember listening, it's like listening back, even still, it's got like so much fire and insanity in it and it's like it's one of my favorite things we've ever put out so oh, that is awesome and it's kind of like what will happen at a great jam where there's no plan or direction um so and then we did the tough transmissions which was really my my wife believe holly uh i believe she was like right when covid was happening i was like oh man like what are we gonna do she's like maybe you guys could like record little videos or songs or something and it was like you know <laughs> It was before Reels. It was still IGTV. Oh, and stuff okay. Like that. And yeah. so we like, Joe would do a drum beat and record the video and the audio. And then whoever got to it first, me or Ross, would do the next piece of the puzzle, filming audio and video. And then the other guy would layer it on. And then Joe would mix it and edit the video. And there was Tough Transmission 1. like 24 of them or something I'm like that looking at it right now well there's 21 on volume one okay yeah yeah and that's the only volume okay. um, <laughs> and it's funny and the funny on and we're all masks on the cover of it yes. like very of the times and we're like promoting it too and, and the age range on facebook we were like paying to promote was like 18 to 65 and man <laughs> some of these older folks yeah you know and their alignments were like very upset like with us <laughs> with the masked pictures, you know, <laughs> like all this virology talk. And it was like, oh, whoa, like we're a jam band, yeah. man. Like we're not, we are not trying to say anything here, but it was really cool. Cause we like each kind of got to spearhead some element of the creativity of it. And, and many of those songs have now turned from their one minute version or so into like full fledged live songs that have a life of their own. I have heard house MD live and that kicks ass. I yeah, like house that. MD stay the fuck home. Um, <laughs> uh, monster brush, oh, uh, and, uh, and swanky town all have had like <laughs> life's outside. And then every time I listen back, I'm like, every one of these fucking songs could be a full song. Let's, let's do it. There so. you go. You got your next like three albums squared away. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so let me get back to my notes. Cause I just much like your jam, we just kind of went off and I'm not exactly sure where I'm at. Let's, let's get back to Kylie Minogue here. Um, that's fair. That's fair. So <laughs> you've done some really cool things like the song Oracle door, where you've got DJ Logic in the horn section playing with you guys. other bands and and it's just a huge jam session well no um and that was really like Should. finally 
<laughs> I know, I know. Well, we we I'll tell you about some upcoming releases, so it's not no big spoiler, but we have one with a Philly saxophonist named Yesay Ali. He's a fabulous player and, and just uh, personality and, and, and fashionista. And he is uh, on a song called Future Suture Selfie, which is kind of like a gray boy all-stars hot funk fusion tune where oh. he's ripping some solos and the melodies. We have another song called Philia Cooties, which is Afrobeat, which has a uh, vibraphonist on it, a friend of Ross's. Oh, wow. That's a totally different sound. So those are two guest pieces. And the end friends was things was something we kind of had the, always the idea of doing muscle tough with guests. And we did a run of shows with a great friend of mine. His name's Eli Winderman, keyboardist for a band called Dopopod. I did see and that. Yeah. And that was like before the end friends thing. And then for end friends, Ross wrote all these fabulous three part horn arrangements for these guys, the horn section, Josh Schwartz, Greg Sanderson, and Chris Browers to to play on. And then Logic, we're all huge fans of through his work with Medeski Martin and Wood. Yeah. And just his career outside of that. So getting to like work with all these massive talents and it was like all our stuff. It wasn't like we were like, oh, we're getting together and we're playing Herbie Hancock songs. It was right. like this is our stuff. These are our arrangements. And and everybody showed up really like ready to to party and play. And we had a great showing of it. So that um, is I hope we get to do it again. And we have the arrangements. Um, so, you know, if it's different guests, if it's a different festival, we're, we're game to collaborate again. That's for sure. I really enjoyed the what you did with DJ Logic. That was and it made me think about I think you guys could probably play with all kinds of more unusual instrumentations like all right like i, I don't and maybe just because I, I don't know i don't listen to tons of, of jam band music but you know with the dj scratching during that it's just it was really and he's got some effects going through that whole thing and it just sounds i know i know ass. i would love to hear you guys do a set or just a track with somebody on the theremin i think that would mm. be insane yeah, it's not a bad idea. I know two theremin players. Maybe we should see if we can hook that one up. Okay. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> I don't know how yeah, that logic, would work. You know, we, we ended up having a little bit of quartet time with Logic. And uh, man, it was fantastic. Like it really, he fit right in. He knew just what to do. And and I was thinking, oh, like we should just like book a night in New York to do like the four of us, just no tunes, just improvising, grooving all night, you know? Oh, wow. That would be amazing. You, you mentioned some new songs in the works and some new new uh is, is it gonna be singles coming out or is it gonna be a, a yeah we, we have some singles we have the thought of like making like a smaller vinyl release of like two sides of something not incredibly long play or not like a two vinyl thing just okay just another thing to kind of help us augment our time on the road and uh, and something cool for our fans and if it goes well maybe we'd release re-release like magical achievements on vinyl or something oh cool but uh, we're talking about that. Uh, we're recording all the shows, trying to get the live show stuff together. And we're playing more and more and more. Um, we got a lot of just stuff lined up leading into the summer. Um, we're doing some shows with a band called The Nth Power. That sounds really familiar. It's like, it's Nikki Glaspie, Nate Edgar, and I think Nick Casarino. They're like an incredible, soulful power trio. Yes. Um, I, know you, I know you had Jan Hartswick on here, and her and Nick have done some fabulous duo stuff together. Yes. And then we're doing some stuff with this band called Clark Sound out of Atlanta, who I sometimes fail to describe, but it's like it's like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young 
meets Zappa meets Django Reinhardt. So it's like a big band. Wow. The arrangements are heady. The harmonies are lush. The guitar playing is very avant. And uh, we're doing like Pittsburgh, New York, and then a hometown show in Philly with them. Oh, wow. And uh, doing some festivals and, and just, just keeping it going. You know, we're all still very blue collar. Um, not to bore you to tears, but it's like I teach, I do some online writing that involves music education and, you know, I do session work and studio work and play with a lot of artists and my other dudes and muscle tough are doing the same thing. We're all a lot of irons in the fire. And then we kind of get to come back and really join forces and do this one thing that is uniquely ours and, uh, and, and wholly original. And it sounds so good. I'm <laughs> so glad that, that Ben recommended uh, or got us connected because I just what I I sit at a desk all day and and hearing these long jams and all it's, I like that that helps me get through my day. So it's been mm-hmm. awesome getting familiar with the music and and hearing about muscle stuff. And I love the humor in the music, the humor in the name. <laughs> The humor in the banter, everything. It's just, it's, I love it. It's just so much fun to listen to. I'm really glad, man. That makes me smile. Uh, awesome. There, there is a lot of joy present, so I'm glad that that comes through. It definitely does. Where can people find the music? Where can they follow you to find all this upcoming touring you're going to be doing? Yeah. So, um, Keeping in touch with Muscle Tough is easy. We really get the most bang for our buck out of using Instagram and Facebook. And on both, we're able to find by searching at sign Muscle Tough Band. And then my myself and my own music and pedal and sci-fi and bizarre wellness um, <laughs> mumbo jumbo, you can find under at Friendship Wizard is a moniker I may have dubbed or been dubbed. I am kind of like a golden retriever <laughs> wielding a bass guitar, and uh, I am fairly amicable, so uh, I, I accept. I can vouch for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, this has been so much fun. I've not just the conversation, but the music and getting familiar with everything, and, and introducing me to even other bands that I've really just diving into like Vita and the Wolf. So this has been a blast. Thank you so much and and for spending all this time with me and and enlightening me. Yeah. And thanks for having this platform for artists to get to share and, and, and for sharing what we're up to because every little brick in the road helps us uh, get to do what we love, which is connect and, and keep seeking. So thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.